0: Hello and welcome to the 29th episode of Inside Music. I'm your host, James Shotwell, and on this episode, I'm speaking with Ben Hardesty, the vocalist for The Last Bison. Now, if you're unfamiliar with that name, allow me to give you a quick background before we dive into the interview. Ben is the frontman for The Last Bison, which formed in 2010 in Virginia. It's kind of his brainchild, but along with the six additional members. Yes, there are seven members in this band. Together with those people, Ben has found a way to craft a unique take on American folk music that I don't think is being performed anywhere else in the world right now. It's not so traditional that you can't just get into it if you're not a if you're a casual fan of folk music, but it's also not so Radio friendly, that you're going to hear it on your local pop station tomorrow. That said, there is an element of pop music to it, which is something that we discuss in the interview. Before we get there, however, I do need to also address something that some of you have talked about, and I'm sure is going to pop up in this introduction, so it's worth mentioning. But some of you have reached out to me to ask me about why there's so many meowing sounds in the recordings. As you should probably know by now if you've listened to all the episodes, I have two cats here at the house. One's named Pauls Vontrier and the other one is named Chubbs, and the second one, Chubbs, who we only recently found. He's kind of a rescue cat. He has been uh, acting up a lot recently. No matter what we do, he likes to meow 24-7, and as someone who works from home, that means I listen to him meow 24-7. I, I kind of go numb to it after a while. I guess I don't really hear it as often, but some of you who've listened to the recent episodes have mentioned to me that there's been a lot of cat sounds, so I'm doing my best to calm it, but there's only so much you can do without you know, being a dick to your cat, and there's nothing awesome about that. So... I'm going to try to hopefully curb it in the future, but I apologize if it has bothered you, and if it hasn't, just completely disregarded the last 45 seconds. Now I'm going to get to the sponsor, play a clip of The Last Bison's newest album, Virginia, which you can purchase at thelastbison.com, and then we'll get to the show. Thanks for listening. Inside Music is only made possible by Holix, the internet's leading digital promotional distribution company. Whether you're looking to get your music in front of the press, or you need a little help fighting piracy, Holix has the tools you need. For more information on Holix and access to a free 30-day trial, visit www.holix.com. That's All All right, let's get to the show.
1: Comes in like the tide,
0: Every time I look back, you were standing there, casually aware of me. Every time I look back, every time I look back, you were waiting there, holding out your hand for me. Every time I look down, every time I look down, you were sitting there, waiting on the floor for me. Every time I look down, every time I look down, you were waiting there, opening the door for me. Absolutely. That's, <laughs> finally it's happening. It's finally happening, yeah. Uh where are you at today?
1: I'm uh, I'm Columbus, Ohio.
0: Okay, okay. I'm yeah, actually we've
1: been here for a couple. We've been here for a couple of days just because we had the uh, Saturday off and Easter Sunday off, and then we have a show today, so it should been kind of relaxing. Yeah,
0: nice. I've been. Uh, I'm from Ohio originally. I grew up in Michigan, but I'm awesome. from I'm from Ohio originally. So I, it is pretty a cool. pretty mid tempo pace of life out there.
1: It is. When we found out we had like two days off in Ohio, I was like, that's nice. There's nothing that I like will be like really, really tempted to go do, except for just hang out with the people that we're staying with and get outside a bit. So it wasn't like being in like New York or something for a day off where you just like want to do a bunch of stuff, which was nice. It and it was actually restful. And yet somehow after four weeks of tour, you can sleep until 1130 and wake up completely tired.
0: I can imagine. Is that so? You guys have been out for about a month now.
1: Yeah, we have. We've been out for a month. We got a week left, and uh, we did another four and a half weeks, um, halfway through January till the middle of February, and then a couple weeks off before this tour.
0: Oh dang! So you've been you yeah, it's been, pretty a, busy. been on
1: the road. It's <laughs> been like nine and a half weeks this year.
0: Now is that pretty typical for you guys? Are you on the road 300 days uh, this out of here?
1: This has been no, this has <laughs> been a lot. Um, usually it's only like 75 shows a year, um, and we've gotten yeah, we've gotten like 45 plus before even the first three and a half months. So that's pretty big, pretty pretty large amount of tour dates for us. Um, but we get home. And kind of settle down so we don't have any dates in the summer we're going to try and like we're kind of reevaluating and rethinking the band and um what direction it's headed in and what the music's going to sound like and all that fun fun creative stuff
0: <laughs> definitely i was about to ask if you're at 45 already then it seems like you got a pretty easy rest of the year to hit your average
1: <laughs> yeah yeah we'll probably go out again in the fall but we're kind of just sticking away from the festival and stuff this summer just to kind of sit down and and reevaluate and recreate and start writing again and just um, see where the band is taking. There's some, some changes taking place within the band makeup here shortly. So we'll see what happens.
0: All right. Well, I, w- I want to get to the new, but I guess we should start with some of the old first. Let, let people catch up people. I know not everyone is uh, that's going to listen to this will be a fan of the last Bison or at least a diehard fan of the last Bison. I I've been listening to you guys since I think the first, label release i didn't catch on to the to your debut record until after the fact but i did hear the first label release and my my first thought when i heard it was this doesn't seem seem like a a label band and today you're not a label band (laughs) right (laughs) uh which is good it's funny how life works out like that uh, <laughs> it finds a way, but I do want, yeah. I, I don't want to do the whole, like, origin story again, because it's been done a few times, but I do want to give people, like, a general sense for the band, because I feel like where you're from and plays a large role in, you know, what you do and why you sound the way you do and all that jazz. Yeah. So, so let's start with it. You're Virginia. Call Virginia home.
1: I absolutely do, and I hope to always call Virginia home. Even if I'm not living in Virginia, I will never stop calling Virginia home. I just, there's Way too much I love about my state, and I've kind of got a lot of unashamed state pride. Um, probably more than most Texans, and you know how they are.
0: <laughs> I do, I do. They're crazy about it now, but I like hearing like I like knowing that there are people who are as big or bigger fans of Virginia as people are fans of Texas. Because I, I get Texas, oh, yeah. I don't always get yeah. Virginia. <laughs> right. <laughs> um,
1: Virginia is very is so many different aspects and cultures within the state that is, um which i think is one of the reasons i love it so much you go up to northern virginia and, and it's just like very political climate a lot of lobbyists and stuff And a lot of my friends that are up there are government workers and and actually actually really do enjoy that that whole side of things the whole political side of things and well i do not at all kind of seat myself in that at all just because it's I've, i don't know i've never been that interested in it I do appreciate my friends that are and do enjoy hanging out with them and going to events that have, you know, maybe more political figures and heads out and just being at those events. But then I have friends that live out in the mountains and, you know, we just sit around bonfires and smoke pipes and play music, et cetera. Right at home, we do the same thing, but we also have the oceans that so grew, up, grew up surfing. There's just all kinds of different different outlets for for different uh, forms of creativity and, and culture, and I, I love that about it.
0: Yeah, I think it's safe to say Virginia kind of gets not maybe not a bad rap, but it definitely doesn't get like the appreciation for as diverse as it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that, which is a kind of a lot of us Virginians that are are um out and about, uh, not always at home, or are, are trying to take more pride in it and become some of, let's say ambassadors for our state and try and get people in and say, you know, come. Like, I I had a kid the other day. I said, if anyone have ever been to Virginia at a show, and he raised his hand, and I was like, how was it? Like, hoping he be like, it was awesome. And he was like, nah I was in Fairfax County. I was like, okay, yeah, you were up in the D.C. suburbs probably doing absolutely nothing. And he was like, yep. I was like, all right, go back and Facebook me, and I'll tell you what to do. And there's just so much good stuff. And I feel like anywhere you go, you could do the uh, the boring stuff, you know? I mean, there's there's boring stuff to do in every state for sure, (laughs) and there's suburbs in every state, but there's also, I think there's beautiful, incredible things to do in every state. Like, we were driving through Nebraska, which, you know, probably is voted one of the most boring states in the country, (laughs) and we woke up at 6.30 to see, like, 20,000 migratory cranes lift off from this island in a river, and it was absolutely incredible, and I would never have seen that anywhere else, except for where we were. We just happened to be there the right day, and so it's like every, it just made me realize, you know, every state has something Special and unique and beautiful to offer, and uh, I've gotten to experience so much of in Virginia and grew up there that I, I just have this undying love for it and want people to know about it.
0: Now, did you have one of those uh, rebellious periods where you were like, "I'm over Virginia, I'm I'm gonna leave it," or have you always been this diehard about it?
1: Nope i I've never never really had that stage. No, I uh, um pretty much always loved it. Yeah, never stopped loving it. You weren't
0: um, you weren't one of those I gotta run away to California or New York City or whatever the case. No, I
1: was I was one of those like I don't know why, for some reason at a young age I was like everyone is running away to California and New York City, who is gonna represent my state, it has to be me. That was kind of my my mindset, like <laughs>
0: All right, I like it. You raised the flag for your home. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let me talk about what was your youth like with music? Because I know that music has always been a big part of your life. I know that a lot of the band members are related. So I'm curious, like, what's it like for you growing up with music in the home?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, music has been in my home ever, ever since I can't remember. I got my first toy guitar when I was probably one or two from my father. He played. I always would sit behind him with my toy and act like I was playing the things. And she was... Uh, Every family gathering on both sides of my family, my mothers and fathers, had had music. I think I preferred the music that we played at my on my dad's side because it was like Marshall Tucker, Allman Brothers, Leonard Skinner, just all this like classic rock and roll. And I really loved that at a young age, still do. So uh, I just was around all kinds of different music. My parents were missionaries in South America, um, building a, a camp uh, in the jungles down there. Um, and so when I was in South America from ages about four to 10, um, I got to experience a lot of ethnic music, um, from that area. And, uh, since then I've been able to travel a lot. I've been to Thailand several times. Um, there's just different places uh, all over Europe and, um, realized that, that so many different cities and or countries rather than the kind of the subcultures within that country have their own unique sound and uh you know, there's a lot of areas of Virginia that do have um their own sound but kind of my area. Um, there wasn't really one unified sound. We have a huge hip hop culture um really successful in our area. For Williams is from our area, Eclipse, uh Missy Elliott, uh Tim so just a lot of success in the hip hop world but um kind of there wasn't really any any folk or indie rock scene where we were from and kind of wanted to cultivate that and with my own experiences of where I was from kind of put what I thought our area sounded like in my head into our music and um as you grow and and as you grow up and get older you know your perceptions of things change so I feel like as our perceptions of where we live change and mind you they, they don't get any worse I just fall more and more in love with where I live as those perceptions change I think that the music the music changes too
0: yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with that. And I like that you brought up the hip-hop acts because I, I'm pretty sure Clips is my favorite export from Virginia. Yeah,
1: dude. <laughs> dude, I and I, I don't know Pusha at all, but uh, his, his brother Gene, or Malice, now know Malice. I've gotten to hang out with him on several occasions, and he is just the most sweet and genuine, loving person that I think I've ever met. And I'm just waiting for the day where I can just call him up and be like, can we please do like some folk indie rock like beat and you rap over it please and release it together. I think I can make it happen. I think I'm going to (laughs) try.
0: See, this is another pro to Virginia. Like that wouldn't happen if you're both New York city musicians as easily.
1: Exactly. Exactly. But there's just such a small, I mean, Hampton Roads just doesn't have that many artists out of it. So I feel like there's freedom for the hip hop and the folk to just kind of meld together and join together because, because, it's just a small community of musicians there. And uh, a lot of them don't really cross-blend. You know, a lot of the hardcore and metal and punk kids are in the same genre. A lot of the folkies kind of hang out. But I would like to see some blend of of those that really captures the diversity of of our area. And uh, now that I'm talking to you about that, I'd, I need to call him up and see if we can <laughs> do, something, do something fun. I I like
0: it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it seems like you have some time. It might be the perfect opportunity. Um, I like that you also mentioned, I like that you mentioned growing up with Marshall Tucker band a lot, because that's somebody that I was just saying the other day to somebody in conversation that I feel like not enough kids today are raised to appreciate the Marshall Tucker band. Like they've somehow gotten lost in the current generation of like, oh, here are the classic bands we should praise and all the others we just kind of forget about. And Marshall Tucker is one that Marshall
1: Tucker kind of gets swept under the rug. But it's like, and everyone knows. When a famous Marshall Tucker Cope song comes on the radio, everyone sings along with it, but nobody really knows it's Marshall Tucker. And then when you delve into their actual albums, so some of the other songs are just absolutely brilliant, especially from like a guitar's standpoint. And their solos are <laughs> super underrated. I mean, I mean, it's hard to like Skinner solos and and such, but Marshall Tucker just kicks butt. Yeah, I mean.
0: Every young person should be handed a copy of Carolina Dreams and just made to yep, listen agreed. to it. hundred <laughs> percent agree. Oh, that's good to hear. That's good to hear, man. Uh, so I, I want to jump ahead a little bit, but I do want to know about the formation of the band. I just want to know. Okay, so as I as I know the story, you graduate high school, you spend a year in England, which is awesome, and it's in its own sense, yeah. and that that kind of gives you some worldview. And then, do you come back home and immediately start the band, or how? Like, how, how's yeah, it? Yeah, I,
1: I I got home. I visited Seattle, uh, had a really good friend out there that was really alike. And, uh, she and I were just really close and, uh, I just realized, gosh, we've been at school together and now we're super far away. And I was a whole lot of people saying like, come out, you should move to Seattle. The music scene here is great. And I was just like, it is, it's incredible here. And I really loved the city, but I said, I gotta be from home. I gotta do this from home. I don't want to be another Seattle band. I want to represent Chesapeake cause nobody else is. Um, brought it back home, Taught surfing all summer, um, cause we live, you know, on the beach, uh, I used to live at Triple R Ranch is where we recorded all of our, our stuff in the A-frame cabin, the wigwam, recorded the last two projects there on Triple R where I've grown up and it's probably the biggest, um, place of geographical importance in my life and probably will always be, um, recorded all the new stuff there. And, uh, so I ran their surf camps that summer before we started the band. And had been for several years prior, and then uh after summer, fall came around, and I said, "Let's do this thing, so we started taking any job, we took this Presbyterian like fall church festival that was like, forty people and some porch, and you know just stuff like that that like beginning band just you play whatever, and uh tons of house shows, et cetera, et cetera, and started getting traction in the area, and you know i I'd grown up with these people. I'd played music with these people in church. A lot of it was like family. Um, we were all homeschooled, actually, which is why I am so socially inept. <laughs> and um, uh, I guess that those things kind of just unified us, and and we kind of took the things that we believe and, and where we had come from and said, let's try and uh, show the joy we have and the things that we know. To as many people as possible I and mean, that's that's still the goal is to is to bring joy into the rooms we play we know that people come in from all kinds of different walks of life and probably like so many people walk in there and disagree about so many different things But that's the beautiful thing about music is i know I'll, my worldview is probably way different than most of the people i play music to we can come together in a room and be unified with the joy that, that, music brings. And it's, it's something special. I think the only thing that other, the only thing else that really does that in the world is, is sports like the Olympics or the world cup, you know, that, that people come together from tons of different nationalities or worldviews and can actually be unified over, over one thing <laughs> or torn apart. <laughs> but I think it has the the beauty of it is the power to unify.
0: Definitely. Definitely. What was, so, I guess I, what I should say is how, so. How does the songwriting process work in the group? Like when you started the band, like did you already have some some core ideas down and everyone kind of adds to it, or what's what's the process like? Yeah, for that, you?
1: that's that's uh, that's that's how it's been for the past four years. I pretty much bring entire song, uh, chord structure, lyrically, and I don't bring the song really until that is done and flushed out. Um, going into the writing process this time, it's going to be a little different. So classically, it's been I bring a like say a song and lyrics is a kind of a blank canvas that that is the song and the lyrics and that can be up for interpretation from the group and you after to listening to the song several times everyone has has their own vision of how the song should end up and bringing that vision to fruition means that you have to take everyone's visions and kind of unify them take the best parts from them and until there's a unified vision uh, you don't really put the song out and that's what that's what is best there's always going to be compromise but once everyone says yeah this is the the best we could probably make this song. And then, you know, it comes out and like four months later, you're like we should have done this, but you know, while you're in that writing space, you know, you come up with what you think is the best version of everyone's vision unified into that, that singular vision. And, um, that's, that's when you're ready to put the song out. And this process, we're going to go back into writing as pretty much weeks after we get home or take a, a couple of weeks off just to breathe and then start writing and, uh, that's going to be different. I only have a handful of songs this time, like maybe five, and we need like an extra ten or so. And so we'll probably actually do something different than we've ever done, which is just sit down and play music together for hours on end until song ideas come out and chord structures, and write the songs together, and then uh, then the lyrics will come after that. And so that'll be really interesting because it'll be different. Uh, from a business standpoint and a creator standpoint and uh, i 'm pretty excited about it actually because it's uh yeah I think it 's going to be a lot of fun.
0: I read an interview with you recently, and the reason I asked for the songwriting process was because of that, but it caught me caught me by surprise that I think it was with you, maybe it was with another member of the band they asked to describe they were talking about how you guys write songs and mentioned that it was always written to be a pop song, not a traditional pop song, but something that was easy yeah. to hear, easy to sing along. Is that?
1: Yes. that was Andrew, Andrew, uh, organ player, finished that one. And um, what he meant by that was, um, I think earlier on, we didn't care so much. Um, I wouldn't say we didn't care so much, but when he said pop song, I think he meant that it was, it was palatable. We're not trying to make art that is not accessible. Um, so while it may not be a, like a radio pop song, we want the song to be accessible to as many people. And the reason for that is so it can reach as many people as possible. Um, so it's it's more for um, for that reason than uh, to say, oh, we really want a radio play, which you know is nice and it helps. But the reason for writing a song that is I would say palatable rather than than a pop song. Although, in essence, pop just means popular. Is is that we've always uh, strived to create art and songs that are are palatable and that can be brought to to an audience and they can they can they can instantly, you know, you feel the song. You know, I feel like a lot of people write songs that are so like, what is going on here? <laughs> that is just kind of we are confused the whole time, and we don't want to confuse anybody. We just want to say, this is us, uh, this is who we are, and we hope you enjoy it and that it brings you joy. So yes, yes, pop, but not in like the radio or classic pop sense, just in the, the uh, comprehensible sense.
0: In the easy-to-enjoy-without-being-easy-listening sense.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs>
0: uh, that's fine. I, I just liked it because I thought it was a fitting quote because – I wouldn't necessarily describe your sound as that, obviously, but when put through the filter of like something that is easily accessible, I would be like, "Then yeah, that is a that is a great way to describe the kind of music that I think you like." Right. that? Yeah, it's, it's a
1: yeah. T- and I think that that's definitely what Andrew was trying to say, and I think that when you throw the word pop out, people tend to cringe. I don't know why, because I think deep down everybody really enjoys pop music. Like the people that turn on the radio, and sure, there's some songs that were like, Ugh, but. You know, we all have those pop songs that just kind of stick in our head in our guilty pleasures because they're fun, they're enjoyable, and when we say pop, that's simply what we mean, is we want to create art that people enjoy.
0: Yeah. And I and I think you're definitely I think you're definitely doing it. So good job. Good <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk about the whole label mess that much, but because we it was, but it's a theme that's come up in a couple of the podcasts recently. We've done a lot of artists who kind of made this transition from label back to being independent and have kind of succeeded, blossomed as a result. And I think that that's something I've seen a lot with your band over the last year. So I'm curious, like, when when the time came around with your contract and they decided not to up it for another album cycle had you already been thinking maybe we should go independent or were you kind of banking on the label and then had to scatter to come up with what you're going to do instead?
1: I was, I was, I would be alive. I was saying I wasn't banking on a label. I was pushing them really hard to open up the next option and put the next record out with them. Um, just cause frankly, big label resources are absolutely incredible. And that advance is what provides for the band. Um, independent, there's a lot less momentum for some reason, a lot less people come out to shows because there's no one pushing radio and promotion is hard uh so I mean our attendance at shows is is not i don't think as exciting as it was for some reason, people when you're on a label, I don't know why you think they'd be like, "Oh my gosh, we're independent, this is incredible and you're the show, but a lot of people this might sound bad a lot of people really want to be told what what's good um I know a lot of the times I do i and in my life, I wanted a schedule to be someone to tell me what to do because otherwise, I'm a little lost. Um, and I think with the label, uh, that's there, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, cool! There's this new band on this label," and so a lot of people, there's a lot of energy. A lot of people come up to the shows. When you're independent, at first, I'm hoping it builds up, but but we've actually experienced a lot of that lack of momentum that from the big machine behind you. Um, so we've gotten cool things like a like a Buzzfeed, like 10 indie bands that are making it. Um, which probably should have just been titled 10 bands without a label that people know about. (laughs) Um, Then uh, yeah, there's, there's some, some lack of momentum and I'm not sure why maybe the tide is is shifting. Um, But um, I was planning to uh, hoping to have the, have the label on board for the second album. Um, But when we got dropped from them, uh, I quickly said, you know, let's try this by ourselves we did it before um, we had a song that that had some buzz before the label came around that's why the label came with let's try and do it again um, it's definitely harder I do like the, the transparency of doing it on our own we know everything that comes in and goes out um, and that's, that's awesome with the label there's a lot of stuff kind of at least with our label seemed like it was hard to get communication uh, but I would never say anything bad about any of the people there that, that worked for us, we loved them all. Our, our, um, and our guy, Patch him and I still text every couple of weeks just cause you know, we're friends and it, it didn't work, but it doesn't mean that the personal relationships were at all affected by that. Um, so I still don't really know where I stand on the label independent thing. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I guess, I guess I'm a label agnostic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. No, I like it. And understand, I understand. That I think that's a lot more of an honest answer than a lot of people give. Because a lot of people want to make it seem like, you know, you embrace the world of indie post-label life and it's just, you know, the rainbows and all good times and everyone welcomes you back with, like, big open arms. But that's not really the case most of the time. Like, it's, it's a lot harder. Yeah. You had this whole team underneath you before and now it's back to being just on you. And... Yeah there's a lot of like, you
1: kind of do have to restart all over again. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what it feels like. And that's that's, that's pretty hard. Um, having to feel like I, I I had a lot of, a lot of struggles internally at first, like, like great. The last three years, I feel like it was completely wasted because now we're back at the starting point. I just had to seek encouragement from all my friends and, and in, in uh, in my church and, and my faith just had to kind of, help um me put my feet on the ground for a second there i was i was i was pretty uh wrecked by it i I mean at first i got a call and it was like yeah they're they're deciding not to and i said great this is awesome because i didn't feel like they had been doing a lot of things for right after the record release it kind of just felt like it didn't make a big label numbers right off the bat so there's kind of just this like Backing off from them, and that was frustrating, which is why I think I pushed so hard for them to open up the second one so we could just try again um but nonetheless, it was still sobering and humbling to be dropped by a label as big as, as republic and um i for a for a hop minute there, it was kind of like, hmm, I don't know what to do, and I don't know what this means and it kind of felt like I had wasted a lot of time, but I realized. After that, that, how much I'd learned from that experience and, and how much I knew about independent and and uh, being with a label. And I feel like I have a pretty realistic vision of the pros and cons of both not this biased, one or the other. And I, I'm i glad of that because I would hate to be, you know, in high school, it was like, oh my gosh, you're signed, you're making it. And then after the label experience, it was like, okay, that's not necessarily true. You know, like a lot of people still have that that mentality and mindset but i'm glad that i feel like i have an experience that provides me with a realistic view of of both sides and not hating either
0: no definitely i uh i i've had all my experiences are obviously through other people's stories but yours sounds a lot like ones i've heard before but what i think is so interesting at least to me is that a lot of my friends I know actually kind of came ac- across the band with this most recent release, which was your first and in- your second independent release, first one after being on a label. And I was kind of like, well, I wonder what it is. Uh, maybe it's just the music, maybe it's the placements for some reason. But it was kind of strange that in the first non label one, that was when I started to see all these people that I knew in the industry and out started to kind of be like, have you heard of this last Bison mm-hmm. band? And I'm like, well, they actually had a label deal before. And it's kind of like, it's weird how discovery kind of works like that. And you'll be like, well, why did the machine not reach these people? But then when you go back to independent, you can reach yeah. those people who might not have heard it otherwise for some reason. Yeah.
1: And now we, we just added new management. We're with uh, Ramster Records now just for managing them out of the label. Um, and so I'm, I'm further encouraged because of that, that we don't have a label um, just to see over the next, like maybe do another... Independent release and see what we can do with actual management and an independent release and a lot of these relationships before quickly saying let's jump onto another label and give them this huge percent of record sales and everything because of all these 360 deals just take and take and take. It's, that's hard. Um, so I think there's different opinions with amongst the band too. Um, like a week ago I was like, yeah, let's sign again. Let's, let's get a machine behind us, and I just. Because I think I have that a realistic view. I know there's pros to both, and so my opinion on what we should do keeps flipping back and forth. Because we gained a lot of fans with Republic, and then when we did an independent release, we gained different kinds of fans. And it's like different people find you in different ways, and and uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm I don't know what to do. I'm still trying to figure it out.
0: I'm sure you'll get there. are we all? I, I,
1: I've, <laughs> I've always been like a believer in enjoying the journey if you don't enjoy the journey you're just going to be stressed out all the time and it's better to just sit back and kind of look on it and and enjoy the journey and and you know maybe neither decision is the wrong decision and you figure out which decision to make after making the wrong decision a lot of times and that's okay that's life
0: oh it definitely is it definitely is and i'm sure that you're gonna make more mistakes in the future hopefully more right decisions (laughs) than wrong ones but you're gonna make them either way (laughs) absolutely Uh, um I do want to talk about the, the record a little bit and then the new EP, because obviously it's the new thing, but uh, I, I'm a huge fan of VA. I think it's your best release as a whole so far. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, I, there's something about it, and maybe it's how it was recorded, maybe the fact that it kind of came up in the wake of this label thing, but there's something about it that just <laughs> sticks to your bones in a weird way. I just I carry That's it with you. Yeah, I carry it with me, and whenever... I, I, whenever I play it for somebody, I have a different song for the type of person I want to play it for, which is something you don't get with a lot of records. Like Some albums you are like, oh, have you heard this artist? And it's always like the single or whatever. But with this, it's like, I have a friend who really likes folk music or I have a friend who's a little bit more Americana or maybe doesn't really care for the radio style kind of folk poppy or folk things, and there's something a little bit more traditional for them. And I think that (laughs) you did a good job of balancing all the different influences that you have into a cohesive record with this one.
1: Cool. That's good to hear. I, <laughs> I didn't know what we were doing with that record. It's just yeah, it really just kind of happened. It was like, oh, here's all the songs I have, and they represent where I was a year and a half ago and where I am now, and just different vibes and different feels. And this I had to craft the song some way into some cohesive piece, and uh, which is it's just fun because you know on the front end there's all these like bombastic kind of quote unquote radio friendly I still don't know what radio unfriendly is once we get a radio hit maybe I will <laughs> but uh, um, I guess you do try and write those songs but I kind of try and write those ones a little more subconsciously so that I don't let my influences uh, not touch their songs um, but still you know I love some of the like in the moments in VA I love kind of last three songs it's this seamless ending to the record but it feels a little different
0: Yeah, it definitely, it certainly does, and obviously Dorado, the new EP, sounds a lot different than the record, which you've already kind of gone on record saying that that purposely you knew that they were different songs. Now, were they all, they were all written in the same time where you're at Triple R Ranch? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, They were all, I mean, we wrote, they were written over the whole course of the label, and, and like, some of them were written like before we signed to the label, it was just like, we had a catalog of music, and then after the ones that recorded on Inheritance and Quill were gone. It was like anything that was written between that point and the point where we recorded in Virginia was, was up for grabs. Um, the, um, you Are the Only One, which is the last song on Dorado, which is more of a, a kind of mysterious love ballad, if you will. Um, that song was going to potentially be on the Inheritance record, but will just way different different lyrics, different... Um, different treatment completely and um i always love to make sure that the lyrics match the song unless it's some form of irony which i don't really throw into that many of my songs anyways actually i don't think i ever have really um <clears throat> um however uh, yeah not however but just with that song in particular the lyrics never really seem to fit what the music had until finally we just kind of struck it down and took a big step back and just within the last week of recording uh, Virginia and Dorado, that kind of became that and it finally fell into its place and actually has become my favorite song out of all 15 songs released in the past seven months.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. I I did not know that. It's funny how that changes over time, right? What, what The song you like yeah. right away is not the song you like six months later. Right. Uh, w- what role does The Great Dismal Swamp play in your inspiration for all of this? I know that you guys mm. are by it. You guys are, you, the I know a triple R is near it. So what, like, ha- would you say it's an influence on your writing?
1: Goodness gracious, yes. I mean, my whole childhood was, steep, and I say steep because it's a funny T reference, and we literally kind of steeped ourselves in the <laughs> swamp. We'd trudge up to our neck through the swamp with, with packs on our back and just make these crazy forks, and that was like a huge part of my childhood. It was just adventuring through the Great Dismal Swamp. And I mean, what is pretty cool when you can say, yeah, I adventured as a child to the Great Dismal Swamp. And people are like, what? It's great Dismal Swamp? And you're like, yeah. It just sounds sounds like a Something from a Tolkien book or something, um, and uh, a lot of it feels that way. It's just this crazy, mysterious black water stain from the tar and the and the the, the acid rather, the tannic acid from the cypress knees, and and it's not harmful. It's just the color the the cy- cypress knees. The cypress trees have these roots that come up out of the swamp and these like big knees that look absolutely crazy, kind of like your knee if you bend it up, but it's all wooden and they just stick out of the swamp everywhere, and um they release this this acid that just stains the water black, so it's absolutely mysterious and plays a huge role in a lot of the imagery of kind of the more mysterious songs. Cypress Queen is about is about boating through the swamp as a child. Maroon is about... Uh, there used to be uh, um, groups out in the swamp called the Marooners, or they're marooned, and they're these, these slave groups that had escaped from plantations and were hiding in the swamps, and uh, that song's about about... A narrative about that. Um, just a lot of the songs are are inspired by the geographic location that, that I've grown up in, both Bolivia and the swamp.
0: I, I think people really need to make a trip to the swamp if they haven't before. I've seen it, and it is, it, like, you can describe it, and you do a good job, but it's like, it really is otherworldly in some ways.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you ever make it, if you can get out in a canoe on Lake Drummond, it's just It's is one of the only natural lakes in Virginia and they think that it was formed from a meteor who knows how many years ago that just burnt and burnt and burnt the swamp's peat like 10 feet down and most of it's not that deep Um, and it's just this like really docile just flat crystal like surface lake just with this dark water and the cypress cypress trees like shoot up in the the middle of the lake um, from these mounds and it's just you see these perfect reflections of the tree and the dark water and it's there's really no place i've seen like it i mean there's places like it down in the deep south kind of but uh that they don't have as much of a place in my heart as as drummond does because it's you know it's that's home
0: absolutely absolutely well we should talk about dorado it is the new ep it came out i guess like a month and two days ago something about that at this point Yeah,
1: something like that March. (laughs) Third maybe I don't know yeah, beginning open. of
0: March and yeah third, yeah, so like a month ago, we'll say a month i uh I read in an interview that you said that it's kind of a cryptic telling of your life story, the four tracks, yeah, I didn't realize that honestly until a few weeks ago,
1: um right before this tour, I was at a conference in North Carolina, and it was being asked about this, and uh I was just thinking about all the kind of the moments in my life that kind of shaped my my worldview and shaped the way I think and what I believe and um and, uh, a lot of those are, or a few of those are moments of suffering that, that I came out stronger because of, and, and a couple of them are just moments of, of joy or nostalgia. But it was crazy the way we decided to play out the songs when I, when I thought back on what those events were and how impactful they were to me, um, that they were in chronological order. You know, the, the first song, um, I'll just, I'm just vague retellings of the song the first song uh souls in the sand is, is about growing up in in south america and and the nostalgia that comes with that and and being with my best friend down there you know we ran through the jungle we we had these machetes and we'd, we'd cut down banana trees and felt like adventure or indiana jones and, and that was hugely formative for me uh it kind of instilled in me the desire to adventure and this wanderlust to travel um the next one skipping skipping till i was about uh, want to say. Um The next song was the next song, so uh, I think the second song is dorado isn't it? no it 's changed everything i believe and um that one's uh from when I was about fourteen and um I had a a very very close uh family family friend or my best friend and his parents um there was a lot of turmoil in the house and and um they they, they split and that was really, really hard for me. Um, my buddy was kind of the only person I talked to and I, uh, um, I, um, didn't really know who to turn to. I didn't really want to talk to my parents. I was kind of at the age 14 where I didn't want to open up and talk to people. So, um, for me, just being really vulnerable and open right now, I, I turned to, uh, to the the God that I grew up with and uh, it became very real to me at that point. Ever since then, my faith has been a serious uh, part of my life and my writing process. Uh, the second, the next song I think, Dorado, is about a uh, a moment uh, traveling Europe when I was traveling Europe and right out of high school that that I had a moment that was really wavering for my faith and just was going through a very doubtful time and um, and uh, I, I realized in that moment that, um, like, if any relationship, say, say with a friend, that if I didn't give my attention to that relationship, then, then why would they give the attention back? Kind of, um, it's kind of a, any any relationship works two ways, and I realized that I was being that way in my faith. I was being very selfish, very self centered. And when I started kind of giving more attention to that and more to to people and and acting more out of that, then it became more. Um, centrical in my life once again. And so, uh, that was that. And the last one is just, it's just about, um, after kind of years and years of desiring, uh, true love, it's about, it's about finding that, that love and that realistic love and the, and the pitfalls and mysteries of love. And, and that when you finally find that person and you tell them kind of every dark secret you have, there's serious freedom in that and that's really hard to do, but there's just burdens left. And when they, when you find someone that's accepting of those things that you've done, then that's, that's a beautiful thing. And, and then there's, there's really nothing else to hide after that point. And so those are kind of four, four things in my life that were hugely formative for me. Um, this kind of vague tellings of, of really kind of detailed experiences in my life, but still kind of just thought it was crazy that when we actually put them out in, in that order that it happened to be chronological in the way they happened.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, I think you are the only one is probably my favorite of the bunch. I don't know why it's, it's like you said, it's a, it's a complex love song and you don't find many of those.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's, it, it's, it's not all lovey-dovey is seeing. I have dark, dark parts in my history and, and, and they've, surface for you to see them and and you love me anyway And that's i think it's i like to be realistic about things and i know that a lot of the pop songs that people love are just perfect kind of love ones but that's not really the way love is and um i think that love is more perfect when you accept the flaws and and you're the person you're in a relationship with
0: yeah i couldn't agree more that's i mean i don't know i think the whole ep is great but that song is the one that when I listened through even the first time I was like, Let me go back and start start this one over one more time. I got like halfway through and I was like, Maybe let's let's just begin all over again. <laughs> In a good way. Again, I'm sorry. Oh, I said uh, that that was a song on the record that even the first time I heard Dorado, that last track stuck out to me, and I was just like, oh, I got to revisit this right away. Like that was the first one where I was yeah. like, let's hit repeat, let's go back and experience it. Yeah, that's,
1: and, and, and there's certain songs like you feel weird like really enjoying listening to your own songs, but like if it's still, still music and still a narrative, even if it's one from you, and that's one of those songs that I really enjoy listening back because you know, it lets me reflect on on things I've done, and on my relationship, and um, and then at the end, it goes into that more orchestral arrangement that just kind of climaxes the whole EP, and then just kind of drops you back into the guitar, so it's, it's just really reflective for me.
0: Yeah, it's also, it's one of your longer songs as well, You only, I think there's only like four or five Last Bison songs that crack five minutes, and that one comes almost to five yeah. minutes. Gotcha. You run in that I don't three, know how long it is. You master three to four minutes, like per like every song on the record, but that one runs at like 4.53, but I noticed that like yeah. bet- between all the records, I think there's like four or five minute songs. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, so so you have the tour right now. You're going to take somewhere to write, but you have another week of tour. Where else is left to hit? Because this is going to come out tomorrow. So yeah, we play,
1: we play in Columbus tonight. So, so tomorrow we're in Pittsburgh and then, uh, One of the three shows I've been looking forward to the most are my kind of favorite home, I say home, East Coast markets, um, Philadelphia, New York City, Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is my favorite place to play and to be. I love that city. Um, I'm so close to Virginia, but it's such a different different vibe. I I just love the city. I love all European architecture. I love that there's this political climate, and then there's this artistic culture that just wants to... Almost, almost separate itself from that in a way that it just just has a thriving, art artistic culture that that uh, is trying of juxtapose juxtaposed position. Um, also funny that I think that culture is one of the biggest influence in politics, so that they, they're striving for such diverse culture there, which I think is great. And um, the crowds there, just I think because of that, just they just love it. And we have a lot of kids from home that were high school fans that are in colleges up there, Georgetown, George Mason they come out and it's just like we're home away from home for us. And the fact that the last show on tour is there for me is extremely exciting because I know, I always know that those will be just all out rambunctious, energetic, thrilling shows. And I'm excited that the last three shows, uh, Philly, New York city, DC are, are all places like that, that we have great, great pasts and, um, great fans and great, Good times.
0: It definitely ended on a high note. Yeah. Uh, did I read also that you're putting out VA on vinyl soon?
1: Yeah, it should be at those last three shows. We've been trying to get over six months now. Uh, it's really limited around 250. Uh, it's going to be really, really special. I put a lot of detail into it. It's, it's really simple, but, um, a lot of materials that are just, um, make it more limited and, and special. And, uh, yeah and so that'll be out soon so i guess i might as well just tell you it's coming out tonight because it'll be for sale in a couple of days hopefully um i think i hope <laughs> it's supposed to be but but um it's not your classic classic vinyl it's actually i'll only tell you one thing but it's it's, it's actually made out of of linen the whole so more like some of the you know the classic rock records you used to see yeah. here um it's got that linen finish which um <laughs> made the design kind of hard cuz it's just this big print of one thing that you'll see shortly um but it was having a hard time at here so we went back and forth for like 5 months trying to make this happen and finally we just said just send it <laughs> it's going to be great so
0: uh, I'm looking forward to it man I I yeah. you're you're a band that when, when I hear your music I I want to own it on vinyl it has that awesome. just that sound that you want to capture on wax and I'm glad that that's happening cuz I don't think the other records have been on vinyl right
1: um inheritance <sighs> Was Quill? Quill, our first one was. I wish that one. We dropped a lot of time and money into. Um, it, it's black paper with with debossing and embossing and gold foil and just crazy date gold. And that one is was really special. That came out on Quill. <laughs> I saw the copy of it on Discogs the other day for 400 bucks. i was like, I still have one. I'll sell it to you for 30. dollars gonna gonna buy this for 400 bucks? That's ridiculous. But it is a really, really special piece that we put out four years ago. And then um, Republic did put out a lot of inheritance finals. We're out, you know, selling new workers, frankly, to make more money off of the stuff that we did ourselves.
0: <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair argument. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, this is this has been fun. I, I'm excited to hear what you guys have yeah. next. I, I I remember, I don't even know what the first thing I heard off EA was, but I remember you did an mm-hmm. Entertainment Weekly exclusive in the fall.
1: And yeah, with the video, with, yeah. With the
0: video, that was that was a great bit of exposure, because that was when I first saw like a fresh wave of people be like, oh my gosh, Last Bison, and then with South by Southwest, I saw a few more industry people kind of turn their heads and come around, so I feel like I feel like there could be a second coming if you really wanted to go back. I hope so. Go back into the machine. I feel like the machine will accept you. Maybe not right away, yeah, but I, I think w- you're getting there. I wouldn't
1: there. go back into the machine unless it was the right machine, like. You know those movies where there's like the smart people who have machines that just do everything perfectly like in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang yeah. when he has the breakfast machine? Exactly. If there was a machine that reminded me of that, I'd say heck yeah.
0: I think that's a great example. That's a great metaphor for how things don't yeah. work in the music industry. Right. <laughs> it needs to be
1: like a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang breakfast maker for to, for me to sign. Yes.
0: I, I think that would yep. be a great stipulation. That's how your management uh, goes yeah. into meetings from I'll now put that, on. I'll put that in the contract. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Alright man well I think I think we've covered everything I've got to have here I know that you're gonna be you have a few more shows people can come see the shows the album will be the vinyl will be on the store soon which they can yeah. access through what is the lastbison.com
1: lastbison.com yeah, it'll be on our store it'll be at our next three shows but mostly you'll have to get it at the stores it'll be in some local shows but we don't have stuff in in stores all over the country like we did with the record label just because it costs us a lot of money to ship stuff out. Yep, all over the place, and we just don't honestly don't have any relationship with those stores because that was all Republic. So, so I yeah, understand. it'll be in some local some local stores. So, if people want to actually buy a physical copy of it, which I don't see why anyone to would drive to Virginia, but give you a chance to visit Virginia in our area, and if you come, if you come to Virginia to buy the vinyl, I might even invite you to a bonfire out oh. at the Hardesty house.
0: Oh snap! <laughs> yeah. yeah there you go well you heard it here first that's a great way to go out man uh is there am i missing anything is there anything else going on in the, in your world that you want to make fans aware of
1: um yeah we're just uh with this new cycle i think we have kind of realized that that folk was kind of our our catalyst and that I, I love folk music and uh but for us it was the it was the proper way to treat the songs that we're writing and so we'll never lose that folk essence it'll still it'll either morph into this folk rock or this this southern folk rock if you will and so i think this this round this time around we've just realized that with the songs that i'm writing let's just make them sound how we want them to and say that the folk folk necessarily doesn't have to inhibit that or or, um constrict us and if we want that sound it comes from an electric guitar or some crazy keyboard then Let's make it happen. And so I'm actually really excited about, about branching out that way. And, you know, with every band, there has to be some necessary evolution with the music. And I feel like we're finally going to branch out a little bit. And I'm excited to see where that takes us. So,
0: Me too, man. I wish you all the luck in the future. And I thank you for coming on the show. We'll have this up later this week while I tag you in it and all that jazz. But hopefully next time you get to New England, we can see one another
1: that'll be fantastic
0: all right man you have a great day thanks so much for coming on you too yeah have a good one